The other complication is um, we had a testimony booked this morning um, that was on video. So, there's not that. Um, I've heard that any good pastor has a couple pocket sermons. Um, however, I've used them all here. <laughs> I wrote a couple thoughts down this morning after the computer crashed. Let's just talk about those things and believe that um, God is still looking to do something this morning in our hearts. And um, I'm excited about that. And I think you should be too. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, actually I don't even know what day it is anymore, at the end of June, let's go that route, at the end of June I was in Florida. So I'm, I'm doing some schooling and my seminary is in Florida, which is wonderful, by the way, to go to Florida once a year. Um, and it was Sunday morning and we were supposed to go to church. Uh, I didn't want to, to be honest with you, because I'd been in church two times a day plus school for nine days, and I was like, no, I think I want to go to the beach, and I want to see the ocean. So I did those things. And as I was doing that, and kind of meditating on a piece of scripture that I was going to have to share in class, um, I kind of felt God saying, you're going to need this, so um, remember where this one is. And um, this morning I need this, and I remembered where this one was, so we're good. The assignment in class that week, is, uh, so we had, um, we had a theology professor in this class, and we also had a, um, a, a theater coach. So the, you know, the doctorate in theater, it's like, wow, what a weird thing. Unless you have that, then that's very cool. But what he wanted us to do was to take a piece of scripture, memorize a portion of it, and then deliver that. And so I, I signed up for the very last slot because... If you have to do a presentation, take the last slot, always, because then you see what the expectations are and how everyone else is going to be graded, how everyone else is going to be corrected. And by the time it gets to you, you've had enough time to prepare properly. Whereas the first person who thinks, I'm just going to get this out of the way. No. Um, here's another complication with no screens. Um, you don't know this. I usually have a little clock here that tells me how long I have left. There's no clock. So we're going to take our old-fashioned watch off and put it there. The portion of scripture I chose to deliver was one that was particularly important to me. I shared about a month ago, just my journey with God and coming back to him. And it was this piece of scripture from the book of Matthew that always stuck out. Every time I read it, it would just shout at me. Christianity can be different. Church can be different. Christians can be different. 
And it was this, from Matthew chapter 5, and this is from the NIV. This is the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And so it says that when, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went and sat down. And then his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. And the first thing he says to them, blessed are the poor in spirit. If you're poor in spirit, you, you're, you're crumbling inside, but you're blessed. For theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. We've all had these seasons where we have mourned something, and the Holy Spirit has come and he has comforted us. Blessed are those who are meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus would go on in the Sermon of the Mount to talk about all sorts of things that we really hang our hats on as Christians. He gave common teaching on murder. It's a good one. Don't murder. Adultery, divorce, oaths, loving your enemies. He went on and on. There's a couple things that stick out to me about this verse particularly. Especially when it comes to our understanding of these summertime stories of hope. That is the series we're currently in. And the team has done a fantastic job sharing from their lives how God has changed them, how God has done an amazing, amazing work. But there's a few things that really stick out to me inside of this verse that speak to these summertime stories of hope. The first one is the fact that Jesus just initially took this opportunity. This wasn't really all that planned out. Jesus saw a large crowd, and so he was like, oh, there's a large crowd. I'm going to sit down on this mountain up here. And uh, the disciples gathered around him, and he's like, huh, what a better time to teach people. He took the opportunity. How many opportunities do we let slip? Because we have a good excuse. I'm not even talking about the things of God right now. How many opportunities in life do you just let slide by because you've got a good excuse? It's not the right time. You know, it's maybe, maybe in a few years, this would be a good opportunity, and then the opportunity goes, and it never returns because that was the opportunity then. Maybe there is a job or a relationship, just something in your life and you just let it slide. Jesus took this opportunity 
And he took this one to discuss the kingdom of God. His most famous topic, the thing he talked about the most, the kingdom of God. How things can be different. How things should be different. But to say I'm not ready, that's really, um, it's a silly statement when these things come up. Think about um, those of you who are privileged enough to be parents. Were you ready to have children when you had them? I think most of us would say absolutely not. We waited a long time to have kids because we figured it was really easy to do. I mean, science, you, you will have children as a married couple. It was what we figured. So, you know, we will wait till we're ready. And then it was difficult to have children. And then, but when they, were, when they finally came along and we were like, oh, I don't think we were ready. Even after waiting this extended period of time so that we could do all these things that we wanted to accomplish, and it's like, oh, children. Oh, oh, you don't sleep anymore. And you're expensive. And you're really needy. And oh, look, there's another one. How'd that happen? Science again. But you're never really ready for the things that happen in life. But clearly, God thought you were ready. Clearly, you were. You just didn't think you were. The fact that you are living means that you are constantly preparing for something. Every day you wake up, every thought you have, every time you pray, every time you worship, every conversation you have with your friends, you are constantly preparing for something that's probably going to happen next. That's the beauty of living a life with God. Everything is in preparation. I believe that everything up until the point where you start a journey with God is preparing you for that journey. And then everything after that point where you make a decision, I'm, you know what, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to be a Christian. I'm going to be wacky and weird and wild and do all of these things. And it all prepared you for that moment. Each day, each circumstance, each issue you go through can and will prepare you for life, for what comes next. You've been preparing your whole life, for instance, for this moment. What's going to happen today? What is God going to bring and put in front of you today where everything could change? God is preparing you for what comes next. Maybe it's a conversation you're going to have at lunch. Maybe it's a conversation you're going to have at work this week. God's preparing you even right now in your heart for what comes next. Are you ready for those opportunities? Are you ready to be available for what God wants to do this week? The second thing I I noticed in this scripture, and it kind of sounds like the first one, but it's not, um, is that he just started talking. 
And we look through the Sermon on the Mount and as it goes through Matthew 5 and 6, and he talked about a lot of stuff. And he didn't stop. And he just kept going. And he made people angry. But he just started. Oftentimes, we want to tell people about Jesus in our lives. And the number one thing that people come to me and say, how do you actually begin that, though? Let's face it, we don't want to be creepy. We, we believe very strongly that our God is alive and our God is amazing. However, you don't want to sound unhinged when you talk to people about that, right? Like, you, you want to sound like you've got your feet under you and you are a sane person, believing that everyone in this room is a sane person, of course. I believe most of you are. For a full list of those who are not. Um, he just started talking. I think the really important thing to understand in the context of, and yes, I asked Laura to come back super early today um, to play keys for me to help me keep focused because I am, as I've said, delivering untested material today. In Jesus' time and in his culture, it is estimated that there was roughly 10%, 10%, so out of this room here, let's say like the first couple rows here, just them. Only them, only these people could read and write. Everything else was oral. Everything else was delivered through speech. So for Jesus to sit down and just start talking, it wasn't weird for him. This is what they did. But even for thousands of years after, after we have like cave drawings and the, the understanding that you can etch something on a scroll, the majority of people, it, it didn't matter because they couldn't read it anyway, and most of them couldn't write it. It's said that even, even a, a large majority of the people who, who penned the, the scrolls and, the, and the, the things that we have now that we call the Bible it would have been dictated and someone would have had to sit there and write it out for them. And it was a whole process, but it was a very oral tradition. So Jesus would have come into the Sermon on the Mount largely unprepared the way we would prepare. I, I would go and I would kind of figure out the stuff I'd like to talk about if I got the opportunity. Like, oh, say there was a whole bunch of people around in the mountain and I would take this opportunity and I have my notebooks ready and I could, you know, start at the beginning and just kind of teach my way through. Oh, Jesus sat down for his lecture and he just started talking. And he unfolded the things of God. He unfolded the things that needed to be shared at that point. And at that time, he just started to talk it out. Let me tell you what I think about fasting. You guys want to talk about adultery? Let's, let's tackle some of these issues today, shall we, from my mountainside here. He just started to talk with the people who were ready to listen. He took the opportunity, and he just started talking. Have you ever noticed that a lot of Jesus' stuff 
A lot of the red letters in the Bible, the, the words that he spoke, came out of circumstances that were just kind of thrown at him. And he took every opportunity. Let's take this moment and uh, how would I teach you about this? Thinking out loud, processing with friends. The stories of God that are happening in your lives right now need to be spoken. The stuff you know God is doing in your heart, the stuff you know that God is doing in your family, at work, in, in your church, those are the things that need to be spoken out loud. Tell the stories of God. Tell the goodness of God, the things that he is doing even right now in your heart. Speak them out loud. Third thing. He knew the value of his words. I talked last week, um, or alluded to at least, Deuteronomy 6, 8, and 9 where it talks about having these reminders of the things of God. That you would, you would write them down, you would tie them to yourself, you would have these constant reminders of the things of God. Things of value are worth reminding yourself of. Things of value are worth remembering. The things God is doing in your heart, the things that you know about God from his word, those are things worth remembering. Those are things worth reminding yourself of all the time. The story of God. I started using this phrase that as we read from the story of God as it is written in the book that we love. I heard that at school. One of the presenters there and it just struck me. I just had such a moment with the Holy Spirit when I heard just that simple phraseology. It's like, wow. The story of God as it is written for us. The story of God. It doesn't matter what you think of Genesis. It doesn't matter if you're a young earther or an old earther. It doesn't matter how literally you read the Bible, if you read it historically, if you read it spiritually. I don't care today. All that matters is we understand that this is the story of God as it is given to us to use, to function with, to breathe life into our very lungs, to give us sustenance that we need on a spiritual plate. Amen? You're quiet today. It's because there's no screen. And I would challenge you on this. Our ability to memorize scripture is very, very important. I have never done well on exams. Anytime in, in Bible college or later seminary or what I'm doing now, I usually will pick courses off of their syllabus. If there's a final exam, no thank you, I'll find another route. Because I get, I get anxiety when I have to do an exam. I get anxiety when I have to memorize things. But it's this practice that I'm trying to put myself through now as an adult. I want to be able to hide God's word in my heart. 
I want to have scripture come back to memory in circumstances that rise up that are difficult and tough. If a, if a friend is, is calling me and they, and they need encouragement, I want to be able to speak the words of Jesus more than the words of Michael. I would challenge you to grab the words of Jesus and try to memorize something. And if you, if you have those anxieties, you have those difficulties, just pick something small and familiar and start there. But start somewhere. I think that the beauty of it is when we, when we have the words of Jesus, we have this story of God in such a place where we can, we can have it memorized and we can recite it. A lot of times when we, when we read and just read for verbatim, it's like we're trying to cram our thoughts, we're trying to cram our personal commentary into scripture for other people to hear. I have found in my life when I can recite something from memory and, and give you a piece of what Jesus said from memory, it's not that I'm trying to put things in there anymore. I'm, I'm now just letting out what he's already said and letting the Holy Spirit do the work as opposed to letting myself do the work. Begin to let out what the Holy Spirit wants us to hear. As God's words are proclaimed, there is something powerful that happens. I've heard it said once that our words are the only thing we have that can affect the spirit realm. And this is probably the wacky part of Pentecostalism. But it's true. When you pray, you affect things. You're, you're putting change into motion when you pray. When you declare the words of God out loud, you are changing an environment around you. Take the opportunities as they come. Start talking and know the value of the Word of God. As I become older, I understand less and less of what is happening around me. I'm sure some of you are in the same boat. I was, so I had this professor friend who I was rooming with in Florida when we were both at school. So we're doing the same program. I said, Matt, can you do me a favor? He's like, yeah. He's like, so you work with like 20-year-olds all the time. He's like, I do. He's like, my class is all dumb 20-year-olds. It's like, great. Tell me, what are, what are some of the, like, can you explain some of these new phrases that I'm, I hear? And like, can you catch me up so I'm cool, Matt? And Matt's way cooler than I am because he's from L.A. But he's like, yeah. So he just started going through some of these phrases. I'm like, I don't understand anything you're saying. For instance, for instance, if you're enjoying what's happening, you would say, I'm here for this. What? Yeah, obviously, you're sitting here, dummy. I don't understand new phrases. I just, I'm here for this. Great, me too. 
be a hero. We're all here. The only thing I think I will ever fully understand is what God speaks to me and what he's already spoken. I encourage you today, take pieces of scripture like Matthew 5, hide them in your heart. You will never know when you're going to need it. Because then when these opportunities come up and someone says, I, I just, I don't understand Christianity or, or I'm just having such a hard time right now. Well, let me tell you what Jesus said. It takes the pressure off you. You trying to explain or me trying to explain what we think Jesus said, even though we don't know it. Let me tell you what Jesus said about this. He said that blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He said when you mourn, that the Holy Spirit's going to come and comfort you. He said that the meek are going to inherit the earth. And when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you're going to be filled with it. Wow. The wisdom of Jesus let it speak. I invite you guys to stand with me this morning. Pastor Karen's going to come in a moment, and um, I just want to take an opportunity to pray with you guys. I invite you across this room if you would close your eyes. Let's just take a moment to be introspective for a moment, shall we? to look inside and we just pray Holy Spirit that you uh, you would begin to show us things in our hearts that you're trying to speak maybe you were speaking today through an image or a memory or something that's just coming back to some of you but Holy Spirit would you just speak to us today I want to pray specifically for those of you who have had opportunities to speak the story of God as it is your life and you've maybe walked away from those and not shared what the Lord has asked you to share. I just want to say to you today, because I know we beat ourselves up on this stuff, but I just want to say to you today, tomorrow's a brand new day brand new opportunities for you to share the goodness of God. We pray, Father, today that you would give us opportunities to share the stories of God. You'd give us opportunities to share the things that we remember from, from Scripture, the things that we remember seeing you do. Maybe it was a time where we saw someone healed. Maybe it was a time where, where someone had a dramatic life change. Father, would you help us to share those moments from your story? Father God, would you build our confidence? Would you build our confidence to speak knowing that you are our God and we are your people? Father God, would you give us the ability to understand your wisdom and explain it in beautiful ways? 
beautiful ways to the people around us. Father God, would you give us the heartfelt conviction to understand how incredibly powerful your word is, how incredible, incredibly meaningful your scriptures are. God, you are good. And your mercy endures forever. So I pray today as we as we stand here as a congregation in this beautiful building and we and we went through an entire service without a screen. God, would you help us to understand that we don't need the things we think we need? Father God, would you continue to free us from the things that probably hold us back more often than not from experiencing you? Father God, we give you our hearts and we are so grateful that you are our king. Help us to make the stories that you are living out through us, help us to make those meaningful to the world around us as we see the kingdom of heaven coming near and we see you as our king. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.